Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. I just did something I never do. I just recorded about 10 minutes of conversation with myself. Um, and I just deleted it all. <laughs> That's the first time I think I've ever done a, uh, deleted a massive chunk like that. I didn't like the direction it was taken because I wasn't being authentic. I was thinking too much and I was trying to be very, um, considerate and I was trying to not be offensive of, about what I was trying to talk about. And you know what it came across as it came across as not sincere, So that's why I deleted it. So here I am recording episode 106. I'm here at my farm. It's a perfect day to be recording. It's uh, it's pouring rain outside. It's uh, everything's green. Spring has sprung kind of down here in the south. Uh, It's beautiful, and I got my family over here. My wife and kids are here, and uh, they are all politely shutting the fuck up upstairs while I'm downstairs recording the podcast. Everybody has a device in their hand, and they are doing what they need to do so I can uh, be down here in complete silence. The dogs are upstairs. The the dishwasher is turned off. The washing machine is turned off. I even took down the goddamn wind chimes on the porch because I don't know if you all know that. Uh, Every time that I record, I have beautiful wind chimes on my porch. Sometimes I'll get into recording and have to stop and go out and take these fucking wind chimes down. So they're down. Here's what I was talking about. I talk about things... You know me, I don't have a master's degree in this. I have a street education in this. So I talk about it from a, uh, from the perspective of someone with a street education. I want to talk about trauma bonding and I want to talk about what that is and kind of um, some of the things I see from it. If you don't know what trauma bonding is, essentially that's people that experience trauma in their life and develop a connection to other people that are like them. So kind of like 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 experiences coming together. And what I see, or and it can be a good thing because it's, um, it's uh, people can help one another, but there's also pitfalls to this too. There are people that use their trauma. And we talk about if in, in my business that I'm in, if you, if you work around enough people that, that teach trauma or, you know, talk about post-traumatic stress enough, there's a thing out there and this is legit. It's there, there are trauma groupies. There are people that use their trauma to seek that deeper, deeper connection to someone um, based off of that trauma. And this is not me knocking anybody by any means. 
this was a minute ago. I could I couldn't understand what I was trying to explain, so I had to start over. Um, there are people that obviously in life experience less trauma, and there are people that experience more trauma. Does that mean that any one is greater than the other? Like uh, as far as how it affects people? No, because trauma is trauma. And nobody deserves to put their trauma on a shelf and nobody de- deserves to belittle other people who they feel haven't experienced as much as they have in their lives, if that makes sense. However, I just said that. Having said that, there you have to be careful when people come at you because of their traumatic past. Now, I'm not saying this is going to happen to everybody out there. Look, I'm I'm out there. I teach this stuff. Um, I I'm not a person that tries to heal people. That's not my ever my intention. My my intention is always an awareness issue because I am not a certified clinician. Uh, I'm not a certified doctor. I'm not a psychologist or any of that. I try to just talk about it from the point of view of many of us first responders, military people, or people that have experienced trauma that have not dealt with it, who who it's unprocessed. So my whole thing is like, get it out, talk about it, make yourself better, right? But talk about it with the right people. Don't just go around and talk about it with people just to talk about it with people. And that's what I'm getting at is I have so many people that I witness do this on a regular basis and they use they almost use their trauma as a pity party. They almost use their trauma as um, an attention thing. And I see it. I see it on social media. I see it in people that are trying to start businesses wrapped around, um, you know, this mental health crisis. And it's fucking sad because there are there is a legit legitimate problem out there. And then I see, um, I see some folks out there who it is very obvious that they're on the trauma train kind of thing. And I guess my personal opinion aside, um, you know, opinions vary. But, yeah, I've talked about this in other podcasts. Anytime people see that there's a room for a business, they exploit they exploit that. And I don't think that helps people. I don't think it helps people if it's not authentic. I don't think it helps people if you don't have the the credibility to do it. Um, you know, it's uh, it's just kind of sad. So I guess what I'm saying is be careful who you bond with. Be careful who you divulge um, all your personal stuff to. And be careful who does that to you. You know, you can't... You cannot physically... Be there for every single person who's ever experienced a bad thing in your life because there will be nothing left inside of you. Trust me, I've tried that and I tried it early on when I started teaching post-traumatic purpose. I tried being there for everybody. I tried listening to everybody, everybody's problems, everybody's trauma stories. Um, It actually put me in some uncomfortable situations because I realized people were trauma bonding with me and I didn't know how to deal with that. I didn't know how to set boundaries. I didn't know how to, um, uh, insulate myself from that. And over time it'll break you down and it'll desensitize you to a lot of stuff. And it's no different than when you're in the job in the emergency services, when you're experiencing all of these traumatic exposures over and over and over and over, eventually you become desensitized to the calls that you go on. 
So how do we prevent ourselves from getting desensitized to helping other people who really need us? And that's by setting those clear boundaries. That's by recognizing when someone comes up to you, hey man, I got this, I got this problem and I experienced this, something you didn't ask for. Now you can be there for somebody, but you don't have to have the answers. What I tell people all the time is whatever you're about to tell me, you got to understand I'm not licensed. And to better serve you, you need to speak to a licensed professional. And I say that because there are a lot of people that will just come up to you and want the answers from you. And again, I don't have the answers. I have an awareness thing that I, that, that I, that I talk about and you may not have the answers. I try to be there for people. I try to listen to people, but at some point, you got to understand what that does to your mental health over time. Also, even therapists have boundaries, even therapists like licensed therapists have appointment times so they can handle how much comes on their plate. Why do I say all this? Because I've recently spoken with some peer counselors who they're at their wits end because they've talked to so many people over the years that they're starting to be desensitized to it. I don't know if any of this makes sense, this trauma bonding thing that I was, that I was trying to talk about. I'm, I guess more or less what I'm trying to say is, is protect yourself and be leery of people that are using their experiences for a gain. And because that's out there, that is certainly out there. Be leery of those people that are using their experiences um, to connect with you for some deeper level than other than just getting help. Although people's intentions may be very pure, there is danger in trauma bonding. There, You can find yourself bonding with people uh, and developing a closeness to where the relationships could be borderline inappropriate. And why do I say that? Because if you are, if you're in a relationship with somebody, uh, you have a family and you start letting people too close to you because of your shared experiences, then that can, that can pose a risk that can definitely cause problems in your relationship. That can cause problems with your family because you will start developing a, um, a level of communication with someone that could cause problems with your communication at home. And what do I mean by that? I mean, if you start having an ability to communicate with somebody else that you have shared trauma with, um, and especially if it's of the opposite sex, chances are you're probably going to even communicate even less at home. And what you're going to do is start driving a natural wedge between you and your family. And it is not even intentional. Uh, what it is, is somebody gets you, you get somebody else. And here's why I challenge you to talk to your spouses, even though you think your spouse may not relate, even though you think your family may not relate. Do you want to lose them? Um, I would encourage you when someone does come to you and opens up to you, you be very careful um, at how close you allow yourself to get. And that's why you need to steer people towards professional help. It's okay being there for somebody, but when being there for somebody turns into um, 
communicating with this person or these people all of the time. It's, it's natural to bond with someone like that. I was talking with my therapist about this and was talking with how the closeness between therapy or therapist and clients can get at times. And sometimes it can be borderline inappropriate to where therapists see the danger in that. They have to cut it off because there's a boundary issue. And all I'm saying is respect your boundaries and respect other people's boundaries. And I guess it took 11 minutes to say that. But man, you don't want to lose your family over over someone uh, having a shared experience with you that now you just are able to communicate with somebody else like you can't communicate with your spouse because chances are you can communicate with your spouse. You just choose not to. And that's a whole nother problem. I talk about this in post-traumatic purpose when I teach it. I'm like, we are excellent communicators on the battlefield. You know, our battlefield, whether it be fire scenes, police scenes out, you know, in the military, we're excellent communicators because people's lives depend on it, right? We're in a business where people's lives depend on our ability to effectively communicate with one another. So that would make us effective communicators. However, comma, Many of us are not effective communicators at home because we don't know how to communicate simply because we're afraid of being vulnerable. And so we shove it all inside. And then one day you meet somebody like you and heaven forbid it's the opposite sex. And now you start communicating with this person and then you find yourself all of a sudden bonding with this person in a way that you're not bonding with your own family. And that's the danger in trauma bonding. You have to be careful because I know none of you intentionally want to hurt your family. None of you intentionally want to alienate your family and nobody intentionally wants to embarrass their family. But that's the real world that we're, that we live in when we're dealing with trauma. And the crazy part about it is many people, this is all new stuff that we're learning in in our business anyways, in, in the emergency services industry within the last few years, we've only recently started talking about this. So, um, this poses a real threat to the sanctity of our home life and our home life poses a threat to our work life. We all know that in our business, you know, the divorce rate is so high, 70, 80%. How many of you think that we're bringing um, those problems with us to the work environment? All, all of us, I guarantee you all of us are. So, Essentially, what I'm getting is the happier your home is, the happier you probably your work life will be. The happier your work life is, the happier your home life will be. Just protect yourself. Understand when people are getting too close to you, you have to be able to redirect them. And if you genuinely want to help them, get them professional help, you can't be everybody's counselor. Enough said. We'll move on to the next topic. I tell you, man, I just got back from Texas and 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 I was um. I had amazing events in Texas. We did post-traumatic purpose. Uh, the first stop it was outside of San Antonio in New Braunfels, Texas, where we had a conglomerate of emergency service workers, dispatchers, the community. Everybody came together, and we had an amazing event. I can't thank everybody enough for putting that together. And then we had a second amazing event um, out in um, Bernie, Texas. I always want to say Bourne because it's spelled B-O-E-R-N-E. Like I think it's Jason Bourne spelled like that, but... Um, it's called Bernie, Texas, and Legacy Farms put that on, and they had a, ho- a whole slew of people that um, they had their hand in helping helping that. And that whole community came together again. We had an amazing event, and um, it was just neat being able to stand there 
in front of all these rugged first responders from Texas. Because when you think of Texas, man, you have, I mean, is there a more rugged place in Texas? I don't know. That's up for debate. But uh, it was just neat standing in there and, and, and talking. I like to call it the, the Texas law enforcement out there, lawmen, because I feel like I'm in the old west out there, boys in their cowboy hats with their with their boots on and stuff. It's just really cool. But I was sitting there talking, and it reminded me of a conversation, another conversation I had with my therapist, and it was called soft front, strong back. And what I meant by that was is this. I'm going to read the text that she sent me so I don't fuck this up. And she said, I heard a therapist on a podcast recently talk about soft front, strong back, being a goal for healthy vulnerability, the ability to be soft for those we love, and at the ready still for when defense is needed. And that hit me like a ton of bricks because I'm standing in there in front of all these hardened individuals and I'm talking about, you know, being compassionate and all these things. And when I teach this course, I, I definitely let them know that this is not sensitivity training by any means because I still feel that we need to be hard individuals. But let's talk about that. When do we need to be when do we need to be hard? Um I think many of us present a strong front, but in reality have a soft back. And I think that's because we're afraid of being vulnerable. So we put up this front that we're stronger than we really are. And I have my hand in the air right now. I did that pretty much my whole life. I was never as strong as I pretended to be, but many, many people thought I was. Um, I think I'm stronger now because now I don't give a fuck. Now I have a soft front. I don't need to be hard. I don't need to pretend to be hard. I have no one to impress anymore. Uh, and back then, the only person I realized that I was impressing was myself. That's it. So I have a soft front, strong back now. When it's time to protect things that I love, I know I can do that. But there's no need in walking around pretending like I'm harder than I really am. And we have so many people that still do that. I see it. I see the costumes that these a lot of these people wear that our brothers and sisters wear, and they do it because they are afraid of looking vulnerable. They're afraid of that W word, that weak word. They're afraid of being cast typed as weak as can't handle something. So what we do is we go out and we bench press 400 pounds and we shrink our shirts down too tight and we walk around and fuck this and fuck that and we let everybody know what a badass we are, but inside we're really just weak and we're really broken too. I tell you where I see a lot of that at is I see I see it in the gym. I see because I'm the old guy in the gym now. And I see the young guys in there walking around, bowed up, peacocking, doing their thing. And, and, and what they're really afraid of, they're afraid of someone else testing them. They're afraid of um, being bullied. They're afraid of um, being intimidated by other people. They're afraid of someone taking advantage of them. So what they do is they try to look as intimidating and as menacing as possible to keep that from happening. And when I see that, I just laugh inside because I know the truth. Most of them, probably 90% of them, are not really that person. That's just a costume that they wear. Now, let's think about that. Does that only apply in the gym? No. I was using that for a reference. We know people like that in real life. We know people that wear their scars on the outside, and they use that as a, a shield of armor to protect them where they don't smile, they have a poor attitude about everything, they don't want people in because vulnerability can can actually be the most uncomfortable thing in the world. 
So the only way to keep people at, at bay and at distance is to have an off-putting vibe, which I know too much about. That led me down the road of thinking about strong front, strong back. And then after thinking about that for a little while, I think it's possible, but I don't think it's... Um, I don't think that's for many people. I really don't. I think that that's too exhausting. I think it would be too exhausting to constantly be on and to constantly be that hard to be so strong and so fearless and so worry-free and not worrying about uh, intimidation, not worrying about um, um, vulnerability and also being strong at the same time. Do, Do I think people can do it? Yes, but I don't think you can sustain a happy life in doing so, um, I just don't think that's possible. I I tried that for, for far too long, and it was one of the most exhausting things I ever did was pretending my whole life. is pretending, not my whole life, but for a, for a major portion of it. But I don't like having excuses, but I, I do feel I had a, a pretty good excuse back then is because the culture was different. And you couldn't show that weakness. You couldn't show that vulnerability. But now knowing what we know now with all the training that's available to us, with the knowledge that's available to us, it's bullshit. That nobody needs to be walking around behaving that way or acting that way anymore. But we still do it. I told you this was going to be like kind of all over the place today. But I have a note in my phone and it says, um, using your past to abuse your future. And man, that hit me like a ton of bricks too. I was just, I don't remember where I was last week. Um, I was traveling somewhere and I stopped to do that. But I started thinking like how many of us use our past to abuse our future? And I would think that a lot of us do that. And it's not fair. It's not fair that we hold ourselves back in life because of something that was outside of our control. And I want you to think about that as you're moving forward. Many of us, many of us had things happen to us that are outside of our control. And when you start letting that control your future, you'll see your happiness just start spiraling down the drain. And I did that for the longest time. I I was allowing myself to dwell on the past. I was allowing myself to have repetitive behavior without correcting it. I was allowing myself to say, well, this is just who I am now. This is who I am. Fuck everybody else kind of mentality. And I'm not willing to change. I'm not willing to expect better of myself because all these things happen to me. So um, I deserve to be miserable. And that's just not the case. It's just not true. I deserve to be happy. I deserve to be a good person and I deserve to treat people with respect and I deserve to love people and I deserve to be able to let people in. And so do you, you don't have to let everything that you've experienced. If you had poor experiences in your past or horrible things happen to you, you don't have to let that affect who you become. And I just encourage you to, to stop one day and look at it from that perspective and just say, what about my past needs to control my future. Every day that we have in front of us is a day that you get to say what happens and and, and how you want to attack that day. Not, not your past. Your past doesn't get to dictate that. Your past, your past is just what builds your character and allows you the opportunity to keep improving for your future. I want to talk about resources real quick. So, um, I had an event recently and 
this is not a knock at anybody, so don't take it that way. This is the this is the dilemma that we face in this business with getting our people help. I want you to understand this. I get a text message one day after one of my events, and it said, "Hey, are you available? I have a uh, a coworker who's in emergency services services and having a mental health crisis, and it's not good." And I actually wasn't available because I was literally walking into my therapist's office and I stopped and I was texting with my friend and I said, what's going on? And they said they had somebody that was having suicidal thoughts, et cetera, et cetera. And so now I stop what I'm doing to try to help this person uh, because they're, they're, they're scattered. I mean, or they're, uh, they're scrambling, excuse me, they're scrambling to find this person some help. And the first thing I said is, what resources do you have? And I didn't get a response, so immediately while I was waiting on that response, I start reaching out to my resources. This is out of state now. I start reaching out to my personal resources in that area to see what kind of resources we can get this person. Now, granted, the clock's ticking on my on my, uh, on my my therapist thing, and this is what I'm getting at. I'm not taking care of me because I'm focusing on someone else, but this is a crisis, and this is every bit of a crisis, so... I'm not complaining about that. This is what I want. This is what I'm trying to show you. Watch this. I got some resources. I sent them to my friend that I was texting and I said, you need to call this person. This person is in your department and this person is trained for this. And you know what the response I got? The response I got was this. Yeah, we're aware of that person, but the person I'm dealing with is too close to that person. And can't talk about this stuff. And that's what I'm that that's right there. That's what I'm getting at. It's we when we are too close to someone in the work environment, many times our own people will rather kill themselves than to go and talk to someone at their own work environment because they're too close to it. How pathetic is that? Now I'm not calling these people pathetic because I love the person I was texting with. I'm calling the situation pathetic as a whole because that's not the only place this happens. We have people that genuinely need help in emergency situations and we can't call them because we're too close to it. And that needs to stop. We got to have resources in place. We know if, all right, if you don't trust somebody enough to talk to them, and this is why, this is why we do that because how can I possibly talk to somebody at my work about my problems and hope and pray that they'll keep that a secret and that they won't go and talk around the workplace, around the water cooler about it, right? And that's why many of us do that. And that's why I encourage peer teams, peer support teams. That's why I encourage them, don't even offer your services to your department. I mean, offer them, but you need to extend your services to neighboring departments and neighboring departments need to extend their services to you. So there's anonymity there. But we shouldn't have this issue. We should know that if any one of us is having a problem, we should be able to go and talk about it, especially with the trained individuals in our work environment. We've had people kill themselves because they'd rather eat a bullet than face the fear of someone knowing that they're possibly having a hard time in life. How crazy is that? I want you to think about that. Think about what we're doing to our own people. And 
I want you to think about that when you're walking around like I used to around the job and when you're acting like you're tougher than all of this and people that need help are weak and people that need help are pussies and people that um, may need to see a therapist. We, we make a joke. We, you know, we sit there and joke about them. This, this, it's nothing to joke about. This thing's more dangerous. It's just, it, just as dangerous, if not more dangerous, than cancer in the fire in the fire service. It's just as dangerous, if not more dangerous, than the criminals on the streets. This stuff fucks us up regularly. This is the only thing. I want to tell you something. Mental health is the only thing that you have to combat 24-7. At least when we're on the job, on our days off, we go home. And we're, we can be away from it if we want to. But if you're in a mental health crisis, guess what? There's no off time. You don't get time off from that. It follows you to work. It follows you home. And the less you take care of it, the more it follows you. And the more volatile it gets. We have to be able to be in a position to where we can talk to those, especially those that are close to the, us, especially those. And I just want you to think about that. The next thing I want to ignorantly talk about is pink cloud recovery. Now, I've just learned about this, but apparently what pink cloud recovery is in layman's terms, it's like when an alcoholic or a drug addict or an addict of any sort is recovering from something and they're doing well, it's almost euphoric to them because it's new. It's something new and it's something exciting. You know how like um, how we chase adrenaline? We chase adrenaline because adrenaline is exciting. And once that adrenaline wears off, what do you need? You need another shot of adrenaline. So what you start doing is you start finding other ways to go get that adrenaline. Half the times the poor acts and the poor choices in our lives, they're not personal against ourselves. They're not personal against anybody. It's adrenaline. We're adrenaline driven people. And you need to have that in your life to feel, guess what? To feel alive. And that is the problem with having a profession like many of us have. We're adrenaline junkies. And does that make us bad? No, we're still junkies. We're just a different kind of junkie. Well, let's talk about the pink cloud recovery. <laughs> I never thought I'd be talking about pink cloud recovery. And apparently what that is, it's like, say say you're an alcoholic. Say you're an adrenaline junkie. Say you are um, a heroin addict. Just whatever. Whatever kind of, of junkie you are. Whatever kind of uh, addict, you, I should say, you are. All of a sudden, when you decide to stop being those things, okay, and you start seeing your recovery is going well, and now unnecessarily you don't need those things in your life anymore. You start feeling good you, because this is different. You're actually living a different life now, and this is a strange territory. So there's something exciting about that. So when you don't make that bad decision, all right, it feels good, and you start chasing it. And you start chasing it. And you chase more of those feelings. But guess what? That's what pink cloud recovery is. Eventually that goes away too. And that is what I learned. That's what makes people go back to their bad decisions. That's what makes you know uh, junkies. That's what makes addicts go back to their bad decisions. Is the pink cloud recovery too. It fades in time as well. And I urge you. If you're going through that. To be mindful of that. If you're in recovery, if you are um, making strides to better yourself in life, I'm proud of you. You need to be proud of you. But understand that that's a real hurdle that you may have to face at some point. 
you may end up relapsing because I think some the the I heard something about the percentages of relapses being like seventy five percent. Now don't quote me. That's a high relapse rate, and that's because the pink cloud recovery eventually wears off, and you need to go back to something else that makes you feel good again. Why do I say this? Because I truly feel that knowledge is power. The more that we know about ourselves, the more that we know about our situations, the better we can help ourselves and the better we can help one another when we need to. You know, sharing information is a great thing. Being aware of our potential pitfalls is an amazing thing. I think one of the one of the worst things is not being aware of what potentially lies ahead of you and then encountering it and not knowing what to do when that time comes. Proper planning prevents piss poor performance kind of thing. I have a busy week coming up, man. I'm going to be um, this Wednesday. I'm flying out to Memphis, Tennessee, where I'll drive an hour east to Jackson, Tennessee, which I've been there several times. Um, I'll be in Jackson March 16th and the 17th doing post-traumatic purpose, teaching two different courses. I believe it's uh, 6 o'clock at night. And um, in Jackson, both nights. And then I come back home, and I'm down in Hilton Head with the Hilton Head uh, fire department in Hilton Head, South Carolina, March the 30th and the 31st. Then I'm off to College Park, Maryland, where I'll be with the professional firefighters of Maryland. On uh, That's April 4th. And then April 15th, I'm out to Salt Lake City, Utah for the Utah Fraternal Order of Police. And then April 25th, I'm out in Fort Worth, Texas. And May 4th, we're out in West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, May 16th and 17th, Dubuque, Iowa. May the 31st, I'm in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, June the 14th, I'm in Worcester, Massachusetts. And July 11th, I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. And September the 20th, I'm in Martinsville, Indiana. And we still have a lot of dates rolling in that uh, just kind of waiting on them to, to confirm. And already booking into 2025. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it's, uh, I never would have thought in a million years when I started doing post-traumatic purpose that it, it would get this kind of traction. This is never what I intended. I actually just intended to, to um, teach about it, to kind of get out there and learn about it myself and um, talk about some uncomfortable shit in front of my people that I love the most. And boom, wow, did it, did it blow up into something? <laughs> it's keeping me, keeping me really busy. So uh, I'm thankful for the opportunities. I'm thankful for the relationships with all of you and everybody, you know, in the past that I've that I've gotten to teach and I hope to hope to come to your area soon and uh, shake your hand, look you in the eye and, and tell you how much I love you and how much I appreciate you. You guys are the best. Thank y'all so much. Have a good one.